Hey there, I am so excited to let you know that my upcoming book, Building Your Money Machine, is available for pre-order. Now, you might say, why do I want to pre-order a book that I'm not going to get until June 11th, 2024, when it comes out? Here's why. First off, it's going to get you access to a, a whole handful of wealth resources that you can't get anywhere else. They will go away. These are special resources, trainings and tools and, and templates that allow you to implement them into your life, to get financial freedom started in your life. The whole idea behind this book is to alight the path to financial freedom so you get the chance to live a life of choice not a life of need, to be able to choose what you do, when you want to do it, with whom you want to do it with. And yet we seem to not want to talk about financial freedom or money or wealth because we demonize it. But the fact is, is that it's just a tool. And if we use the tool correctly, we have a richer lifestyle, but we have a deeper impact. People's lives are better. And I want to have that conversation and I want to have it frankly. I want to have it openly. I want to give you the step-by-step -step process to get yourself the financial freedom. And that's what this book does for you. It's about getting your money to work harder for you than you did for it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to yourmoneymachinebook.com. Check out the wealth resources that you get for free, but they're going to expire. So you need to pre-order the book today, put your information in, and then we'll make sure that we get you the resources to get you on the road and on the path to financial freedom. And until I get a chance to see you on the road or see you on that path, always, always strive to live a life that outlives you. See you soon. Hey there, do you ever wonder, what does it take to do money right as a family? You know, whether you're just a couple or you have kids, how do you have the conversations? How do you gel? Let's face it, money is one of the biggest stressors in a relationship. It's the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. So how do we use money to bring people together? Well, in this episode of the Affluent Entrepreneur Show, I've got a special episode where where the good in media came out to my house and interviewed me on this whole topic of money and the money journey and how to do it. And I want to give you access to that interview. We talk about all the things about the kids. How do you do it as a, as a, a man and a provider? How do you do it as a couple and everything? I think you're going to find this tremendously valuable on your financial journey because if our finances, if our money isn't creating the life we want to live, then what else are we doing it for? So let's do it right. All right. So welcome to this episode of the Affluent Entrepreneur Show. I can't wait to hear what you think. See you soon. This is the Affluent Entrepreneur Show for entrepreneurs that want to operate at a high level and achieve financial liberation. I'm your host, Mel Abraham, and I'll be sharing with you what it takes to create success beyond wealth so you can have a richer, more fulfilling lifestyle. In this show, you'll learn how business and money intersect so you can scale your business, scale your money, and scale your life while creating a deeper impact and living with complete freedom. Because that's what it really means to be an athlete entrepreneur. I've heard you tell this story before, but it's something that obviously like with us, our kids here, this is something that I'm really actively trying to work on as a parent is bringing our kids along into what we're doing and what we're building and allowing them to learn as honestly as I'm learning and working my way through it. 
Um, one of my favorite stories that you share is when your son Jeremy drew that picture of you. And it just like hits my mama heart. So I would love for you to share like that story and how that's impacted how you've moved forward through that business. That drawing actually. So what happened was I was a single full-time dad. Uh, I was raising my son at, you know, from five and a half years old. Uh, I was an entrepreneur. I had my business. I had partners. And, and the same year that I became a single full-time dad of Jeremy, it's the same year that they, my partners came to me and said, we don't, want to, we don't want to be partners anymore. And so here I was in a situation where I had no clients. I had no client backlog. I had no cash flow. I had $300,000 in debt because I just bought a house. And, and this gift of being a father was, was given to me. And, and I'm sitting back saying, well, what do I do? You know, how do, how do I survive? And my choices were like, all right, go get a job or figure this thing out. And so I did what most entrepreneurs do. I, I, I got on the treadmill and I started running. I put my head down. And I just started running, 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 marketing, speaking, and getting out there to start build my practice. Um, and over time, I started to get clients. Things started to work. I started to get cash flow. Everything was was hitting and I'm looking at Jeremy going, dude, this is going to work. We're going to be okay. We're not losing the house. All of those things kind of came into play. And then one day he runs in from school. And he says, daddy, 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 I drew a picture of you at school today. And so he was so excited. It was like it was the morning of his birthday or, or the holidays or something. And so I just stopped everything and I knelt down expecting to see this picture of me having fun with him. And it was a picture of me standing in front of two computer screens and a phone in each ear and another one on the desk ringing. And it was a shot to the gut to realize that I was screwing it up. So as much as it was a picture, it was a mirror. It was a mirror for me to reflect on and to look at things. And, and I could have looked at this and said, kid, this is, this is what I need to do so we can do the things that you love to do. You know, I, we need the profits so we can do the Disneyland, so we can do the ball games, we can do all that. But we weren't doing that. And, and it was in a realization when people were in my ear constantly saying, well, you need to get work-life balance. And I started to think about this whole idea of balance and said, balance, it's, it's, it's a myth because it insinuates that you got to have two counterweights. So in effect, balance requires you to pay, play tug of war. And like, yeah, I mean, but that would be no different to me than saying, well, I'm going to put my feet in the freezer and my head in the frying pan. And on average, I'm warm. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. And, and it wasn't then, it was then when I started to realize it's not balance that I'm lacking. It's harmony. And harmony comes from being intentional. Because what I knew was that Jeremy didn't need my profits. He needed my presence. And I could fall prey to the traditions. I could fall prey to the expectations. I could fall prey to what was done before. I could reinvent the way I did business, the way I did money, and the way I did life. Because being a dad, it's probably one of the greatest gifts. Now I'm a granddad, but it was one of the greatest gifts that I could ever have. This is one of my greatest teachers. And I think I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that picture that he drew. It shifted and changed everything. 
in our relationship. It shifted and changed everything. Everything I teach comes out of that because I realize that the moments actually matter. The moments of life matter. And when we, we give each moment the reverence it deserves and you stack those moments up, that's when you create a life that's full of richness. And that's the thing that I think we often miss. We're, we're, we're going after the, the carrot. We're going after the, the million dollars. We're going after the gold watch. We're going after the big cars or the big houses. And in the end, it's how we experience life that really uh, really drives everything. And I think that's, that's kind of what came out of it. And we can go full circle when he was 16. Why they did this, I don't know. He was at a football camp and it was Father's Day. So Lord knows why they do a football camp on Father's Day. So we weren't together on Father's Day. But he sent me an email with a picture. And it was a silhouette of a, of a father and a son walking on the beach together. And the saying on it said, he didn't tell me how to live. He just lived and allowed me to watch. And it was a different picture than the one that he drew when he was six years old. And that's when I said, All right, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But I think that we're not stuck in the norms of society. We're not stuck in the expectations. And I think when we take the time to sit back and say, what really matters? What really do we care about? What are our values? And then we build to that. And there'll be a lot of people that are going to criticize you on the way. That's what happened with me. But I am happy with all the choices. I'm not going to say they were easy. But I'm happy with the choice I made where I am today. Oh, that's beautiful. Advice for for dads. I feel the same pressure as a woman who's building a business too, but I feel like men especially feel this this weight of being the provider, yeah. being the person that is, whether that's this idea of, you know, I'm going to create this success from an ego standpoint or a, a genuine standpoint of like, you know, I just want to provide for my family. I feel like men especially have that kind of mantle on their shoulders. And yeah. what advice would you give to men out there so that they can create that work-life harmony? Because it's it's not saying you're a villain. If you're having this successful business, we want that too. But but how do you create that that harmony? So I think that one of the things to to realize is first to get clear whose life you're living. Because... I, you know, I, I was a CPA. I came, came out of school, going to be a CPA, was going to walk down the path as a CPA. And the expectations were that I was going to become partner. And too often, I think that we submit to the expectations of a degree, the expectations of society, the expectations of parents, siblings, spouses, all of that. And, and yet, you know, Bronnie Ware wrote the book, uh, The Seven Regrets of Dying. And she said, and she's, she was a hospice nurse. And she said, one of the biggest regrets that people had when they were in their last days of their life was the realization that they didn't live their life. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a problem. Now, on the other side of that, I think that there's, there is a societal element to, and, an, and a desire for most men to want to be the provider. I want to be the provider. And there is, something that we can take we take away from that that gives us self-worth that says we matter and i and i think that it's important but it doesn't mean that it's a number in a bank account what what does it mean to be a provider because there's plenty of people 
that have lofty bank accounts, but they're not there with their kids. They're not there with their spouse. They're not present in, in the home. And to me, I remember meeting um, Bill Marriott one time at the uh, Marriott Marquis in, in Times Square, and we had lunch. And he told me, you know, this is, this is Bill Marriott. And he says, unless I'm traveling for business, I'm home every day at 5 p.m. so the family can have dinner together. And I think that the, the thought that to be successful, you have to forsake the other things. I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge. Being in business, there's the bottom half of the business, the, the below the line stuff, which is the mechanics of business. It's the process of business. It's the methodologies, all that stuff. And most men are really good at, at getting that stuff down. But that's not where the value is. It's above the line. And the va- above the line is where you're, your legacy is where your values are. And, and so I think that the first thing is to get clear in your own mind, in your own heart, what really, really matters. What does life feel like? Not just what do you want it to be like? What does it feel like? What do you, how do you want to experience it? And when we understand what that is and we're clear on it, then the second thing is, especially in your relationship, is you have a conversation. One of the first things I tell people when we talk about money is I said, I want you to go home and have a conversation with your spouse to make sure that you're on a journey together, that you're not, one spouse isn't doing money and doing success and the other spouse is doing house and and kids or vice versa. You're creating a life together and that requires communication and that requires people having conversation around it. And a lot of people say, well, money and money's the one of the biggest causes of divorce, second to infidelity. So it's a problem. But the reason it's a problem is because we're having money conversations in the way of you need to provide or you spent too much. So their money conversations born out of judgment versus money conversations born out of a vision for your life. And so what I want couples to do is say, let's look at our life. What do we want? And let that vision inform the decisions that we make business-wise, money-wise, life-wise, because we're filling and, and, and trying to move towards the vision. Whether we get there, at least we know we're on the road to it. And I think that's the first thing because harmony comes from intent. Intent comes from clarity. Clarity will come from action. You know, a lot of people think I'll get clarity. I'm just going to contemplate. I'm going to sit here and, and think about it. No, no, no. Clarity isn't from contemplation. Clarity comes from action. You take an action, you get a reaction. You sit back and say, I don't like that. I'm going to do it differently. Or I like that. I'm going to do more of that. And I think now all of a sudden things become clear. The things you don't want, the things you do want, but you're in movement and you're moving in an intentional direction. Yeah, I feel like anytime we're doing it in reverse, that's when things break down. Mm -hmm. So people are, are living and they're reacting. Something happens and then they react to it instead of creating what they want. Yeah. And so what does that look like? You talk about, okay, take action to gain clarity. What are some action steps that people can do to even gain clarity on that vision of what they want to create? So first thing I think we ought to do is we actually should be thinking in decades because we, when we think short term, we get, we start making decisions that are more emotionally based, based on what's happening in the moment. And yet, if we think in the term of decades, 
we now have a longer term vision and we can ask ourselves the choice I'm trying to make today. Is it going to move me closer to what I want in a decade? And if it isn't, we know it's probably not the right choice. So that's the first first thing is that I think we expand the the vision of our thinking to a longer term vision to do that. The second I really think is is for us to start asking ourselves what's really important to us. List it out to to literally journal it, to detail it out in a way that you get really clear, not with what's important to everyone around you, but what's important to you. That that if if you each night accomplish these things or each night you live true to these things, you could go to sleep in peace. Because when we have those those types of things in place, now we can start to say, okay, if I want to make $100,000, great. What's the first step to do that? How do we do that without forsaking the values and the things that we already put in place? Otherwise, what ends up happening is we compromise our values. And we wonder why when we get to a, a destination or we get to what we think is the result, we're not happy. Or we see marriages collapse or we see health erode. It's because we didn't, we didn't operate in the level of values and standards that we want to set ourselves because we weren't clear. And so now we, we put a plan in place. So get clear, know where you're going. Now we can start to craft things down. The way we do it is I say 10 years, bring it back to five years. What do I, where do I need to be in five years to hit that 10 years? Where do I need to be in one year to hit the five years? I break it down to 90 days from there and say, all right, so now that one year is broken down into four 90-day sprints. And now I'd look at one 90-day sprint at a time. Say, if I hit this, if I think about life as a relay race, the first leg of the race is that first 90 days. So what are the three projects I need to do in these 90 days, financially, relationally, health-wise, to get me to that point? Now I'll put the next projects in place for the next 90 days. And we build backwards. We reverse engineer from the 10-year plan to the 90-day plan which brings it down to, to action steps. That's how I, I do all the planning with, with my clients and myself. I love that breakdown. And I even think about what that can look like in practice because I feel like some of the most clarity that I've ever gotten is when I've gone on like solo trips and listened to no one. There's no, even like with family, not connecting on my phone. As someone, this tur- turns into a podcast episode because I, I always want to talk during these. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like trying to, try to like, I'm like just nodding silently. Um, but yeah, I love that so much. Like, you know, either just taking that time to listen to yourself and what it is that you really want as someone who got married really young, had kids really young. I didn't really build that muscle up. So now as I'm in my early thirties, I'm like, oh, who is Brienne? What does she want? So love that. The other thing to think about is that it's okay to change Mm. because life changes. And that's why I don't really sit back and say, well, plan for 40 years. Because look, I'm here, I find myself as a single full-time dad. And then Stephanie comes into my life, change things. Then cancer comes into my life, change things. Then my grandkids come into my life, change things. So, so we need to be okay with, with saying, hey, that fit for then, that was the season. This is a new season and I'm okay. Yeah, but you're getting skills all along the way. Oh yeah. So I love that. And you have a focus because we're not going to get where we want to go by aimlessly 
just like that's a lot of we don't want spaghetti on wall type stuff for (laughs) for we don't don't want to live life by coincidence (laughs) yeah right right so i would love to bring it back to spouses talking about money what are some actionable things that they can do because i know for us this is something we got to get better about doing again but money dates and actually setting aside time to be like hey you know what we're gonna make this even want to make it romantic make it romantic open a bottle of wine make it fun like go out of the house and be in a different environment what are some tips that you have for spouses to come together and talk about money so we always want to anchor to the vision so what do we want for our life what do we want for our family what does that look like in 10 years five years one year so now now we can now have a different conversation because the tendency is to sit back and look at, we're going to have a money date. So they pull out the credit card statements, the checking statements, and they look at it and they go, you know, you spent $300 on a fishing rod. What, 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 what was that for? Well, it's never going to go well. Or, you know, you spent $200 on your hair. Are you kidding me? And it's just not going to go well. But when we take a top-down approach, And we start to say, okay, we've agreed we want this vision. So what do we need to do together to support that vision? Because now we're making those choices. Now, there'll there'll be hard choices. Sometimes we got to cut things. Does this make sense anymore? But it has has to be not on the person. Because when we personalize it, this is when we start to have the problems. And I have a client, a customer, you know, Karina Kampora that she just she sent me a note because her and her husband hadn't really had money conversations and I said just start talking okay and they were both very successful and they have a great marriage but she sent me this note saying I had no idea we were rooting for each other from the sidelines but now we're on the field together and we're going to play the game together because we know where we're going and she says in fact we just booked another honeymoon after 20 years together. And I think that when you start to look at it from that perspective, it starts to help. The idea, the, look, money is an emotional topic. It's a topic we've been told we're not supposed to talk about. But it's, money is totally useless unless it allows us to live the life we want to live. So without choosing, without defining the life that we want, all the money in the world doesn't give it to us. So so what ends up happening is that let's define the life we want and let's figure out what the price tag is on it and let's figure out how to make it. And now we, as a team, work together. My wife's amazing at what she does. She's, she is successful and executive. You know, she, she, she don't need me, you know? I mean, I'll tell you, I got the better end of that deal. Um, but she, we look at it and say, how are we doing this together? How many trips do we want to take a year? What does that look like? You know, and we plan, we plan the experiences that we want to experience in doing that. So I think that as a couple, when you start to look at it from what do we want to feel, what do we want to experience first, and then say, okay, how does the money, how does the, the finances come into play to help that, us, us do that? Now, there's something, let's just talk about men versus women. Men want to provide. Okay, and, and in general sense, they want to feel like they're needed. They want to feel like they matter, and they want to feel like they're providing. On the other side of it, and I'm not a woman, so I'm speaking from what I know, but women want safety. 
They want certainty. They want respect. They want to feel cared for. And when we understand that, then we can have a conversation that can feed those elements of a relationship. Because I also understand that when someone says that when a husband comes home and says, I'm quitting my job and I'm going into business. Well, you know, the uncertainty factor for, for the, the, the wife goes way up. And she goes, wait a second. How are we, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to survive? We got the kids, we got the house. All right. So instead I say, you come up with a plan and you get on the same page and have the conversation. But I think that we need to understand that we're, there are two different people in a relationship and the roles could be reversed by the same token, but we need to understand what are the needs of our partner? It, do they need certainty? Do they need safety? Do they want an adrenaline rush? I mean, what, what is it they need and how can we use our finances to provide that? Because if we are actualizing the vision for our life through money decisions that we're making, now it makes it easier to have conversations around the money. But too often, we're just looking at a checking account, which is just judgment. And judgment never works in a relationship. Thank you for listening to the Affluent Entrepreneur Show with me, your host, Mel Abraham. If you want to achieve financial liberation to create an affluent lifestyle, join me in the Affluent Entrepreneur Facebook group now by going to melabraham.com forward slash group. And I'll see you there.